that'd be shorts weather in Canada. You sound just like a Canadian. They're built for the regular season. They're a well-oiled machine. In my humble opinion. Also, if you haven't heard, Jason Tatum six ten. On wax for the world to know. Oh man. Honestly, guys, you sound like a girl who's scared of love. I am a girl who's scared of love. It's theirs to lose. I think they're a high ceiling, low floor. I'm gonna make a joke because I am a glutton for punishment. They're just the massacres, bro. That shit was bonkers. I'm not gonna do what y'all did, Alonzo. But it's a new day, gentlemen. Because the bright future suns are finally fucking here. Welcome back, everybody, to the Cherry Stripe Commentary. Your host for tonight, Sean. I'm joined by not one, but two people tonight. And no, Marcus is not one of them. We have a special guest tonight. We have Trey joining me. Trey, say hi. Uh, hello, everyone, and uh, excited for tonight's episode. Yeah, we are joined by a fellow Canadian. So the first time on the Charity Stripe Commentary, more than one Canadian on the on the show. We are joined by sports media entrepreneur, I think we would put it as, Chris Walder from Walder Sports Podcast. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Doing good, Sean. Trey, thank you guys for having me today. I really appreciate you uh, inviting me on your podcast. I didn't know, it seems like you may have a quota of Canadians who could be appearing on the show. Are we exceeding that limit today? Are we going to get in any trouble? No, well, I but think... I, I do have a question. Yeah. So is... Do you guys really say Z, Z, Z? It depends on who you're talking to. Yeah. I say okay. both. I, okay. I don't know why. I mean, Z, that's a Canadian thing. I well, get it. But well, I say Sean, Z. Sean said that for like a good month. And I thought he was doing it as a joke. And then he told me that that was something they set up in Canada. And I haven't had another Canadian to confirm this with. Yeah, I was just making sure he wasn't pulling a fast one on me. No, we, we say a lot of weird things out here in Canada. I mean, Z and Z is like the least worrisome thing that we have to deal with in terms of our vocabulary. But uh, yeah, I, I say both. I don't really care. I kind of flip-flop, you know, got to keep it interesting with the alphabet. Yeah, it's a... Growing up near Toronto, I get a lot of American shows, so you get the Z, but then you get the Canadian stuff for the Z. So that's that's what happens right now. We're making the government happy, the CRTC, because we've got we're hitting some Canadian quota now. So we're actually compliant with the Canadian radio. <laughs> Those damn Canadian regulations and, and radio and podcasting and whatnot. It's constantly changing, just like the COVID regulations across the world. But uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on the podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm not used to being a guest on other people's shows. I'm always inviting people onto my podcast and uh yeah it's it's a nice change of pace i must say speaking of the covid regulations changing um you're a toronto guy i'm jumping the gun probably a little for sean but how much do you think the fact that they're able to play in toronto this year has made a difference for that team because i thought that was going to be a huge factor that they were able to go back home and not have to play in Tampa Bay. What what do you, do you think do you think you've seen that same sort of impact? Well, there's there's simply a familiarity with, you know, being in your own residence, playing in your own practice facilities, competing on your own home floor and the players on the Toronto Raptors were open several times that they didn't like playing in Tampa. It's it's a whole di different atmosphere that they were not accustomed to and they were basically, you know, handicapped from the very beginning because every other team was allowed to play in their home city. And with the exception of the Raptors, who had to play in the United States, and there was a lot of 
trials and tribulations which came with it and now you're seeing this version of the raptors you know being comfortable once again playing at Scotiabank arena and i'm not saying it's the entire reason why they found success so far but it's definitely helped where do you stand on pascal siakam in terms of what him being a, an important piece of the puzzle well, how, in how do you or? feel about pascal siakam like i feel like he's a, a good number two at best and someone's going to have to be the number one. Well, yeah, I mean, he's already proven to be a viable number two option. I mean, he was mm-hmm. the clear-cut number two on that championship roster in 2019, I mean, unless you think it was Kyle Lowry. All the power to you. It was definitely Siakam in my books. And, yeah, he gets he gets a lot of grief. Uh, he had a rough showing in the bubble. Uh, and last season left a lot to be desired. He was having his own his own issues both on and off the court as well. He had his, his problems with Nick Nurse, and it wasn't a season to be remembered for Pascal Siakam. But this is a, a superstar type level player, and him alongside the likes of an OG Ananobi, a Fred Van Vliet. I think the Raptors, you know, with the exception of that year with Kawhi Leonard, obviously with special circumstances, I think they're better suited to be a sum of their parts instead of just one guy and everyone kind of rallies around them. Kawhi Leonard, again, was a special circumstance because he's a top five player, maybe on the entire planet. And you kind of adjust to that and you got the most bang for your buck, obviously winning the title. But now with Siakam, he, he he's a top 20 player in the NBA in my books. He's, he's an all-star level player. And again, I think when he does return with the Raptors already being six and three in the standings, he's going to make this team infinitely better on both ends of the floor it's going to be everyone else who kind of has to readjust especially Ananobi and Scotty Barnes who's been a revelation to start this season but I think Siakam coming back it's going to be such a plus for this team and I I tweeted this out during the recent game against the Wizards I can't wait to see this team at full strength not just Pascal Siakam but you know a healthy Scotty Barnes of course get you to Watanabe into the fray and let's see how far this team can go do you, do you expect Siakam to play center predominantly when he comes back? Because I, I that's kind of where I envision him, at least in terms of the Toronto Peak lineup. I don't know about regular season, but what, how do you think the center position factors into Siakam this year? I mean, I think there's going to be times during the end of games where Siakam is playing the five. I'm pretty sure that Nick Nurse would like to continue using Precious Achua at the five. And at that point, I'm really curious who ends up going to the bench because Gary Trent Jr. has been one of the biggest surprises uh, to start this season. Because for someone who I thought at one point was basically kind of a, a one-trick pony with his offense, he's in tur- he's turned into such an elite defender, which has shocked a lot of people. But who moves to the second unit at that point? Is it Gary Trent Jr.? Is it Scotty Barnes? Because if you're going to keep Achua at the five spot, you have to start Pascal Siakam. You're definitely not benching Van Vliet or Ananobi. So Barnes or, uh, or or Gary Trent Jr. becomes expendable at that point. So, uh, yeah, at the five position, I think the best lineup that the Raptors can roll with is a combination of Van Vliet, Barnes, Ananobi, um, Siakam, and Trent. Um, but to start games, I, I think as much as he's struggled to start the season, I think they're going to continue to ride with Precious Achua until it becomes crystal clear that he's better suited with the second unit. So for now, we'll kind of wait and, and see and how it plays out. But I fully expect Siakam to be playing a combination of the four and five to be closing games anyway. You mentioned Scotty Barnes, and you've mentioned on your pod about how you weren't very high on him in the draft going in. How would you put your feelings about the Scotty Barnes pick? 
I wouldn't necessarily say that I wasn't high on him. I'm, I'm admittedly not much of a draft guy. So I was listening to the opinions of a lot of people in the industry who were telling me point blank that this draft was a four player draft. And the Raptors had the luxury of simply waiting to see who fell to number four and just take whoever was, whoever was available. So, and knowing that, you know, Kyle Lowry was no longer going to be in the picture. I just thought Jalen Suggs was going to be such a seamless transition. We needed another guard to play alongside Fred Van Vliet. And uh, I thought it was just a no brainer at that point. And Scotty Barnes, you know, I, I knew him for his size, uh, you know, it wasn't much of a scorer in college, wasn't much of a shooter. He was definitely a project, and I didn't know if he was going to be the right pick for this team. And look, I've taken the L. I admitted on Twitter mm-hmm. on a daily basis that I was completely wrong about Scotty Barnes, and I'm happy to be that way. I even tweeted mm-hmm. on draft night that I was rooting for him. It's just the pick didn't make sense to me. But after a while, you know, as much basketball as I've watched over the years, the places that I've worked, I'm still learning about the game. I'm still learning about players. And the best thing that you can do is listen to people who know what they're talking about. So I started reading articles and listening to podcasts about Scotty Barnes. And there was a lot of people out there who were extremely high on him. So I just decided to take a step back, sit in my chair, start watching games and see what Scotty Barnes can produce in the early stages of his, of his basketball career. And lo and behold, this guy has been already, it's early. I mean, there's going to be some lulls in the season, but he's right now the front runner, him and uh, Evan Mobley likely to be uh, the, the rookie of the year, the favorite for rookie of the year. And he's been such a delight. His his hustle, his attitude, his contagious energy that he brings to the rest of the teammates that, that, that trickles down to the end of the bench. He's been such a, a nice addition, and uh, you know he's been great for the tweets because uh, watching him climb up the all-time scoring list, it's uh, definitely helped me get a lot of traction on Twitter. <laughs> I love that thing so he, much. He has been more aggressive on the Raptors on offense than he ever was in college or from what I've seen people saying on Twitter, even in high mm-hmm. school. So it's really nice to see him be aggressive. He's definitely, though, the Raptors kind of guy because the Raptors have – 11 players I just counted they have 11 players between 6-7 and 6-9 on their roster nothing but tall lanky guys on your on your team he's an extremely malleable guy too like I think he's just really eager to learn and this is the perfect system for him to be in I mean the Raptors kind of have a reputation around the league for taking players with limited skill sets and building them up to solid rotation pieces even above that to be quality starters so Scotty Barnes is you know, the ideal size. I mean, we've seen the open gym video of his hands. I mean, they're even bigger than Kawhi Leonard's, I believe. And <laughs> Lord knows we've seen Kawhi's hands and how much of a story that was. But again, I and I think Raptors fans have to kind of temper their expectations a bit because, again, he is a rookie. He is extremely young. He set the bar so high for himself with this early stretch. And now he's obviously injured. He is returning on Friday, uh, thankfully, and not missing too much time. But we kind of have to you know, remember that we are just a few games into the start of a very long season. And there are going to be some times where Scotty Barnes is putting up duds on the scoreboard, or maybe he isn't putting up the numbers that we're now accustomed to uh, because he's been filling up the box uh, box score so early. So I I think if Raptors fans can kind of remember that and not be too hard on him when the going gets rough, uh, which I think they are because Scotty Barnes is already is such a delightful human being and everyone is rooting for him and everyone is such a big fan calling him, you know, already one of the most popular players in in franchise history. Mm -hmm. I think they'll be more accepting of the fact that he is going to struggle at some points, but for now, who knows, maybe he'll at this point, maybe he'll make the all-star team or something. I don't know. I don't know what the future holds, but so far it's been an absolute uh, roller coaster and it's been a lot of fun to watch him play. 
Yeah, seeing him hanging out with Cardinal Fischel was like, okay, he's bought into the Toronto lifestyle. Like he's exactly he's perfect. Like the for quotes the team. are perfect. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I like you. I thought they should go Suggs. I think on the pod we did dur- during the draft, I think as the pick came in, I was like talked into it by our friend Caleb, who had been all over Scotty Barnes going into the draft, and it was. And I was like on the pod. I think I like changed my mind. And was like, okay, I think this will be okay. I have I have fireworks. I don't know if you can pick it up through the microphone, but I have fireworks going on uh, outside of my house right now for whatever reason. I think it's the Scotty Barnes fans out there celebrating the fact that he's coming back on Friday. I just want to let it be known in case the booming comes through. It's it's just a Scotty Barnes celebration in Scarborough, Ontario tonight. I thought we were gonna get a V for Vendetta. Remember, remember the fifth of November, Joe. <laughs> Oh, it's, that's, it's been a minute since I've seen V for Vendetta, so that reference went right over my head. <laughs> uh, what? Oh, go ahead, Sean. I'm sure you've got – did you have something? No, else? no, you go for it. You go next. Okay. I was just going to say, what I've watched a few Raptors games. Now, you guys have both watched more than me. What would you say has been the most surprising thing that they've been able to do? Like something they might you thought they might have been struggling – they might not have been able to do that they've actually been able to accomplish so far – I think the biggest surprise for me outside of Scotty Barnes, of course, has been the surprising depth that this roster has. I mean, I, I hadn't, I've admittedly not seen a lot of uh, Svi, Mahal, uh, Svi Mahaluk. I keep butchering his name. I can't spell it either. So don't ask me to spell his last name, but a guy like that, you know, like you were saying earlier about the size and the wingspan of this, of this roster, even a guy like Delano Benton, you don't get the instant value from a late second round pick like that, that you're getting from a Delano Benton. And that's been a pleasant surprise for me as well. Obviously, a Rexdale kid, you know, playing at Scotiabank Arena must be a, a total thrill for him. And he's leaving it all out there on the floor. And I'm happy to see that Nick Nurse is, is taking note of the of the energy and the presence that he has out there. He's not overcome uh, in the moment. And I respect the fact that, that Delano Benton has kind of worked his way into a steady role so far. And that's why there's going to be so many issues for Nurse once everybody starts getting healthy and how he's going to allocate minutes. But the depth on this roster, a guy like Malachi Flynn, who I'm extremely high on, can't even get on the floor most days. Goran Dragic, I understand, because he doesn't really feel, fit the mold of what this roster is trying to accomplish. And he will likely get bought out at some point, but he can't even get on the floor for this team. And again, the depth, knowing that you have the, the guys that could slot in into the starting lineup at a moment's notice for a guy like Scotty Barnes, not playing the last two games and the Raptors don't skip a beat. I think that depth on this roster is going to be key moving into the later stages of the season and hopefully into a playoff run. Yeah, those early losses kind of when Fred Van Vliet and OG weren't playing very well but, you know, the, the fourth quarter of that first game, when Delano Wright, uh, Banton, and um, Barnes were doing that crisscross at the top right after half court and then, like, passing it or driving. And I just, yeah, I, I didn't – I don't watch much preseason, so I didn't know much about Banton going in. So, but I'm looking him up during the game, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, this, is, this is pretty cool. <laughs> and I don't know, I just – I love the way that Toronto's embraced them just, th- and I like the way Nick nurses and you're right about just who's going to happen. I think they got to trade Malachi Flynn and Goran Drogic because Malachi Flynn's not getting any, he's not seeing any playing time because they have to do something with Drogic. 
Well, I, I mean, I agree. I think Drogic is gone at some point. If they can get some sort of asset for him, then obviously you'll explore that route. I don't think they're trading Malachi Flynn. They need a backup point guard. And I know they probably have aspirations of Scotty Barnes running the point at some point, And they probably think one of their forwards could bring up the ball, but yeah, Malachi Flynn, it's, it's way too early to write a story off just like that. Uh, I think right now it's just, they're, they're trying to continue to figure out the rotation. I think Flynn's time will come. You've seen, short spurts from him you know usually at the end of mm-hmm. quarters but i think the talent is there i think he's very underrated defensively oh, yeah. i think he can offer a lot more on that front um and, and again he just needs to be patient uh, patience is a virtue and once kind of drogic exits the exits the pitcher and nick nurse kind of understands who's going to be seeing how many minutes i think flynn will be seeing a lot more of him but for now it, it, it's just unfortunate for him does does Toronto run a lot of pick and roll? Uh, I know that Flynn coming out of college, his his pick and roll numbers were some were pretty elite. You're, you're talking X's and O's, and that's more of like a William Luke question or, or okay. something along those lines. No, I, I I get it. Like Malachi Flynn is better suited in, in, in certain situations, and, he, and being a pick and roll guy is certainly one of them. Like like I think he'd work really well in like that Trey Young style role where they you know he has Capella setting those screens, and then you you just kind of see what the defense gives you, kind of play quarterback. Especially, yeah, I, I I definitely get that, especially because I mean, if if Drogic leaves, even if he stays, the point guards on this team are very undersized. Uh, especially when you pair them up with the rest of the forwards, they they don't have a ball handler who's you know over six foot one or however tall Fred Van uh, Fred Van Vliet is at this point. But they made it work with Kyle Lowry. He wasn't exactly the biggest point guard on the planet either, and I, I trust Nick Nurse to kind of put his guards in the best uh, circumstances possible. And look, he's done a great job with Fred Van Vliet, who deserves a ton of credit for his own growth, playing at an all-star level, just like Ananobi is. And again, Flynn, once he gets out on the uh, gets out there on the floor, uh, I trust that Nurse will put him in the best situation possible. And he's another guy that's eager to play, and and he'll make the most of his minutes when they do come. I, I like that you mentioned how they're undersized at the point guard position. They're also undersized at the center, not having anybody taller than 6'9". But my surprising stat was, in terms of rebound percentage, they're the third best team in the league. A lot of that's because they're the best offensive rebounding team in the league. But I thought that was one area that teams might be able to to beat Toronto coming into the year. And they've turned that into a strength with all the size they have at the other positions. Yeah, I mean, you can have all the size in the world and still be a mediocre rebounder. I think rebounding is simply a hustle stat, and you can never undersell the players on this team for not giving it 110% as the as the saying goes. So if rebounding is simply an effort number, uh, the Raptors have that in spades, and that's why their re- rebounding has been as efficient as they as it is. And the Precious Achuas of the world and the Kem Birches, they're not afraid to bang down low and grab a few boards. And Achua, for, for not exactly being the bulkiest uh, center out there on the floor has been so far a pretty uh, substantial rebounder, which I'm happy to see, uh, especially when his shot isn't falling around the basket. I'm glad that the energy and the uh, the lift is there to grab the occasional board. So you mentioned hustle stats and the opposite of that is Ben Simmons. So on Raptors Twitter, is there a lot of chatter about trading for Ben Simmons? There was at one point, especially when Ben Simmons was the at the forefront of all basketball news. I think a lot of people have kind of tempered all of their Ben Simmons uh, trade talks and trade machine requests. 
I don't think he would be a good fit on this team. Uh, I've been kind of disappointed with the way he's been handling his situation out in Philly. If there is a mental hurdle that he needs to overcome and he does have his personal personal issues that he needs to kind of deal with, uh, I mean, because he, he playing in Philadelphia is not easy. I couldn't possibly fathom what it's like to be an athlete in, in the city of brotherly love, quote unquote, where, you know, if you drop the ball and you don't perform, if you don't live up to expectations, those fans will rip you to shreds. And Ben Simmons is getting a lot of heat, but the organization itself, the Sixers organization hasn't exactly handled this seamlessly either. I, I think at some point Simmons will get moved. I think they're, uh, you know, living in the skies right now with their head in the clouds, thinking that it's going to work and that they can find success with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid as their one-two punch. Uh, but I wouldn't give up any assets on this team to get him. I don't know, unless you could somehow sw- swindle a trade where you don't give up uh, Siakam, Ananobi, Van Vliet, or Barnes, and there's no chance in hell that Philadelphia is even putting him on Ben Simmons on the table unless you're getting at least like two of those guys and the Raptors are finding success right now. Anyway, there's six and three, there's no urgency to make a trade. And by the time things start to kind of taper off and they're playing 500 basketball or go on a losing streak, I don't even think Ben Simmons would be an option at that point. So he'll end up elsewhere and uh, I'll be a lot happier knowing that Raptors Twitter can kind of get move on with their lives. Great. Oh, uh, we've pretty much hit all of the all of the fancy stats and statistics I've sure. I had. Other <laughs> other than the fact that Toronto is second, tied for second in the league at causing turnovers. Coming into the season, I I picked Toronto to finish tenth to make the play, and even that I thought was kind of reaching was higher than most people. And the the team building that Masai Ujiri just continues to do just. It, I think Toronto has the most impressive front office organization. And I, that's really my last big comment to the two Raptors fans. So Merry Christmas, you two on that. Well, didn't you hear the Raptors are winning the championship? They're, they're six <laughs> and three. They're going all the way. They're going to beat DeRozan en route. They're going to beat Kyle Lowry en route. They're going to oh, beat the Clippers in the finals. Okay, it's, man, made, why, it's meant to be. <laughs> I just said all these nice things, and then you have to throw a shot at my Chicago Bulls. That's uh, that's understood. Oh, they're your Chicago Bulls? Oh, yeah, well, uh, yeah. well, they're playing well. I, I they give are, credit where credit happy. is due. And I'm happy to see DeRozan thriving uh, in the Windy City. Mm-hmm. The Bulls are an, a nice young roster. It was weird at the start of the season kind of seeing the the makeup of, of how that team was built with, a you know, a DeRozan and a Vucevic and a Ball and a Levine and guys like that. It just seemed like a weird mashup of players like, you know, the tossed away toys from other rosters that kind of converged in Chicago and comprised this new look Bulls team. But so far, so good that they're playing extremely well. Uh, you know, it's evident with their in their win-loss column. And again, I don't know where they'll be at the end of the season, but for now, it's like the Raptors. They're winning games and enjoy it while it lasts. I think both these teams are going to end up at least in the play-in. I think the Bulls will probably be a little bit better than that. That might be a little biased on my part, but I think Toronto's definitely one of the 10 best teams in the East. That's high praise. Being one of the 10 best teams out of 15 teams when when <laughs> rosters like the Orlando Magic and the, and the Detroit Pistons exist, uh, uh, quite the compliment. But no, I mean, even at the start of the year, I was like, the, I think the Raptors are too good not to be at least 
in the discussion for the play-in. And if they end up as, as one of the lower seeds, uh, if you're a Philly or a Brooklyn or a Miami or whoever's in those top three seeds and you see Toronto squaring up against with you in the first round, you're going to be in for a war, especially with such a defensively sound and, uh, you know, versatile roster that the Raptors have. I mean, the offense, I, I go back to that first game against Washington and it looks like they, they couldn't score a bucket to save their life. Uh, and now seeing them putting up, you know, triple digit scores on on really good defensive teams. And it, it's been a nice surprise because I thought this was going to be a long year with the Raptors uh, dating back <laughs> to like 70s, 80s basketball where everyone was scoring like, you know, 70, 80 points. And the only way the Raptors were going to win games is if it was like 81 to 79 or something along those lines. But uh, boy, is my face red now because I've been proven long, uh, wrong in, in the last couple of games. But uh yeah, I think best case scenario, they, they get into the playoffs with one of the bottom four seeds. Uh, I, I don't see them, you know, topping a, a Philly or a Brooklyn or, you know, one of those elite upper echelon East teams. But that's not kind of the end game. I think the end game is three, four, five years down the road. And this is it's just nice to kind of enjoy a basketball season and not have, you know, unachievable expectations. You know, obviously every year you want to make the playoffs and you want to go deep, but just seeing the young guys on this team, Barnes stepping up as a rookie. It's like, let's see what they can offer. Let's see who's going to be here for, for the next, you know, the foreseeable future. And let's make a, a legitimate run at a title then. For now, it's just kind of assessing the situation and enjoying the ride. Uh, you yeah. you mentioned Miami as a potential first-round matchup. That That would just be absolutely fantastic. My heart couldn't take that, man. Are you kidding me? Kyle Lowry, look, I'd be happy if, if Lowry advanced. If the Raptors can't win at all, I obviously want Miami to go extremely far and Lowry to win another championship. But if that if that was a first-round matchup, I mean, my, I don't know, man. Like, my emotions would would get the best of me. I'm, I'm such a impulsive Twitter to, uh, you know, Twitter follow to begin with. I'd, I have no filter whatsoever, and that was apparent on draft night when I was – uh, you know, spewing nonsense about Scotty Barnes. And now I look like a complete idiot. People still remind me about those tweets, but Miami and Toronto, damn, man, I don't know. I don't know if the Twitter sphere is ready for that. Do you know when they first play in Toronto to, with Miami coming to Toronto? Uh, I think it's, I mean, don't hold me to this. I think it's in February at some point. Yeah. Uh, Cause February I remember third. Yeah. February third. Yeah. Only one and only TNT game that Toronto has. I get it. It's Kyle Lowry in Toronto. I <laughs> yeah. mean, that's going to be a fun night just to see the ovation that that guy gets. And there was some, uh, you know, we're recording this on, on November 4th and there was some Twitter discussion today about it. Some guy was talking about uh, how people, Raptor Twitter thinks Kyle Lowry is a better Raptor in franchise history than Vince Carter, which he absolutely is. And Vince Carter would definitely agree with that. And that guy was just trying to rally up the troops and, and make Raptors Twitter mad and get some traction, which, which it worked. Um, but yeah, Kyle Lowry is, is the greatest Raptor of all time with everything that he's done here. And when he comes back, he's going to get a hero's welcome. He will. He will. I, I have mixed feelings about Kyle Lowry because I, I don't like his style of play that much with the flopping. So, well, this all, oh, are you trying to like make me disconnect from this podcast right now? Is that what we're trying to do? Are, are we running short on time? And we're like, let's just, let's just talk crap about Kyle Lowry. And Chris I'm not talking crap. Us. I totally respect what he did in Toronto. I just, I, there's moments where he's, he's the sibling that you're just like, mm, 
you just do something that makes you mad. But everything he did, like he played so well in the playoffs. He was one of the reasons they won that championship, like him stepping up in that game. Absolutely. Kyle Lowry is the best Raptor that there's ever been. I'll, I'll give you that. You you redeemed yeah. yourself, Sean. I, I was like, this podcast has been going well. You know, this I, I I like the show. I like what you guys are doing. But then the, the Kyle Lowry slander comes out, and I was like, I have every I gotta time keep I keep it one hundred. I got to keep it one hundred. You know what? Yeah. That's the thing. I start everybody up at a hundred. I'm, I'm a very open person, and all they can do is go down. And you were you were plummeting there until you kind of rose your head above sea level, and you were like, "Ah, oh, Kyle Lowry is the greatest Raptor of all time." But I'm just I'm just teasing you, of course. No. But yeah, as, I, he's the he's the number one guy. As the non-Raptor fan here, i i will ne- I will never forget watching Kyle Lowry came out in that deciding finals game and just score. I think he scored like 11 first quarter points. It was just. The the dom- the most dominant performance I've ever seen from Kyle Lowry in terms of just like a, a spurt, and I I'm just I I was really high on him going to Miami. It, they have a plus sixteen point eight differential right now. I I love seeing Kyle Lowry get even more praise and even more recognition after it seems like the last couple of years people have kind of forgotten the value he brings to a winning team. Kyle Lowry has been the same guy his entire career, and people are only noticing now that he's like an elite level point guard because he's playing in Miami. I don't. It's it just goes to show the ignorance of some media out there that never watched any Toronto Raptors games to save their life. Uh, I think there was that Tim McMahon tweet recently, which rallied up a uh, uh, riled up Raptors Twitter because they said Lowry might be the fourth best player on the Heat. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? We're sending you a hero, and you're praising the wrong one. Tyler Hero being ahead of Kyle Lowry, yeah. and, and don't get me wrong, Hero's been been playing out of his mind as like a you know a sixth man of the year. But Jesus Christ, if Kyle Lowry is not on that roster, they are not playing as well as they are to start the season. And I think he elevates that Heat team from like a, a just a a threat in the East to being a legitimate championship contender. And I think as, as the season progresses again and more and more people catch on to how great Kyle Lowry is, I mean, the, the rest is history. It was such a good move for them. It needed to happen. And it's been great for the Raptors as well. I mean, that, that relationship needed to come to an end. We're going in a different direction and it's nice to see Lowry thriving and, and finally getting some respect. And he, again, he's not the fourth best player on the heat. Get out of here with that crap. Did you have anything else Raptors related, Sean, before I before I surprise our guest with one more topic before we let him go? Well, I'd I'd like to just ask him who his favorite rookie in Raptors history was. My favorite, you know, well, my favorite rookie was Vince Carter. He was uh it was either him or Damon. And I say Vince yeah. because I'm I'm we're recording this right now in my old bedroom, and I had a rookie of the year. Uh, Vince Carter poster which I had framed for my late father rest in peace and he, he put it on the wall and I would stare at that that was in in my bedroom until my my 30s at that point so I was constantly reminded that Vince Carter uh, was a was a rookie of the year but uh, you know what there's been I, I when it comes to rookies or when it comes to players in Raptors history I tend to remember the really bad ones more so than the superstars. <laughs> like I go to like the Rafael Arujos of the team or the you're a slow cars, like some of those like really weird, like second round picks that never panned out to do anything. And Delano Benton has now kind of set the bar high for second round picks, but, but guys like that, you know, the guys that get taken ahead of like other like elite players, like when Hoffa was taken ahead of like Andre Iguodala, for example, and you look back and you're like, what could have been, 
with this team. But yeah, to answer your question, it was either Vince Carter or Damon Stunemeyer, obviously winning rookie of the year. But you know what? Scotty Barnes is giving them a run for run for their money. You know, future <laughs> rookie of the year and a Twitter interaction specialist, let me tell you. Yeah. Do you keep track of the rookie numbers in your all-time scoring records as well? Are you going to see if he scores more than Damon or Vince? Do you know? Do you know how many times a day I get messaged in my DMs on Twitter, being like, "Where are you getting these numbers from?" The Raptors' all-time scoring list. Look, all the numbers that I get are easily accessible to every basketball fan out there. It's on BasketballReference.com. It's like an encyclopedia for basketball fans who love numbers. If you want to do it yourself, do it. But you know what? That's my only shtick on Twitter. And if you take that away from me, I have nothing else. So to go away from, to pivot from basketball professional wrestling here we go this is the money right here i i was a casual i i liked wwf wwe growing up i'm 33 for reference i quit watching you know mostly about eight years ago because it just kind of fell out of love with the sports entertainment product that they were giving out i follow you on twitter and i watched the first uh, i think it was all in was their first pay-per-view i watched the the second one and then I was kind of casually following along on the internet and you specifically kept tweeting about how awesome AEW was and how refreshing mm-hmm. it was to have a pro wrestling organization that was actually about professional wrestling and that kind of concept rather than trying to do the sports entertainment route that WWE does. And I just wanted to say how much thank you and I appreciate so much that you were talking about it because it made me start to watch it. And now I'm just, I'm all in on AEW and I, I cannot thank you enough. <laughs> well, you're very welcome. I'm glad I converted you into an all elite wrestling fan. I'm, all, I'm also 33 years old. So high five Trey on the being the same age. Um, yeah. I mean, I grew up like a lot of wrestling fans. I watched WWE from a young age. I would stay up late on Monday nights and, and catch raw or at the very least uh, TSN used to air the, the reruns of raw and WCW Monday nitro on Tuesday afternoon. So when I got home from school, I, if my parents wouldn't let me stay up late, I would watch raw and nitro then, but AEW has just kind of been a breath of fresh air for a guy like me who has been disappointed time and time again by uh, WWE and, and the booking style that they have. I mean, the, the most invested I got recently was uh, when they did the whole Kofi mania angle, when Kofi Kingston uh, got hot at the right time and main evented uh, or was in a main event at WrestleMania and, and won the championship. But that was never supposed to happen. It was like the fans forced the company's hand and decided to put the belt on him. And the same thing with like a, a Daniel Bryan, uh, who's now Bryan Danielson in AEW. Like the best parts of that company over the last decade were basically the fans telling you better do this or, or we're going to tune out uh, in, in droves. And now it's like, I mean, especially on a day like today, it's funny that you bring up professional wrestling because, you know, WWE just announced that they, I believe they reported $236 million in profits over the last quarter, yet they decided to release release a ton of talent today from their roster, including guys like a, a Keith Lee and, and girls like Ember Moon, people that I'm actually like a legitimate fan of. And now they're free agents because the company for budgetary reasons, wanted to let them go. It, it's more, it's another reason why I kind of take my, my time when I do watch wrestling, I don't have much free time during the week. I always make time for, for dynamite on Wednesday nights. The full gear pay-per-view is coming up in another week. I'm going to order that on pay-per-view uh, shout out to hangman page, probably going to become the world champion. 
And uh, it's just got the guys and girls that I enjoyed watching in WWE making their way to AEW. It's been so fun to kind of watch them with the, with you know the chains off, no restrictions, be themselves, and be professional wrestlers, which is why I love the sport in the first place. Very very well said, and I I can't agree enough. It's it's just nice to have stuff that's centered around professional wrestling back in professional wrestling. All right, Sean, are you awake over there? Yeah, I am. You know, Sean's, I, not a, Sean's not a wrestling fan. What? It, well, it's, I, I'm not as big of <laughs> I'm not as big of a wrestling fan as you guys. Um, I I'm a little older. I was born in '85, and my cousin and grandfather would watch wrestling on the pol- on my Polish side. So I I grew up in like the golden era, I guess it's called, with like Hulk Hogan and like the beginning of the Undertaker and everything like that. So back when it was like no holds bar no, no macho man about. randy savage shout out so you're not a wrestling fan you you downplayed the 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 contributions of one kyle lowry it's i don't dude, downplay like, if you can see me downplay. now just i just dig in the some, grave some of the contributions <laughs> a flopper come on you you say that on rockers twitter kyle lowry's a flopper oh my god oh i absolutely would not I, say that i <laughs> i know where not to say it like i can say it on my own box like take your bat yeah it's, you know what it's your podcast and you guys are the bosses you can say whatever you want but once once the recording stops don't worry i'll i'll let it loose with the expletives yeah, you, and uh no, i'm just kidding I'm just see kidding. i knew i knew to say nice things about kyle lowry that's why my w rating the walter rating is higher for me than it is for you the the walter spectrum if you will i have my own rating system you know what if there's an all-time podcast list uh you know a scoring list for podcasters trey hill you're you're, you're going up in spades my friend because you got the kyle lowry praise down you got the wrestling Sean, you're, you're working from behind. I'm rooting for you, buddy. You're, you're climbing the ladder. But uh, again, you just watch a little bit more AEW and uh, no flopping talk from you, sir. No more Kyle Lowry slander. Well, I think I could win back some favors because I do have to thank you for turning me on to the Dishes and Dimes podcast. Awesome. I I got into that a year and a half or ago, like when Trey got me onto your Twitter and then you were shouting them out and then I started listening to them and I I got to thank you for that. That was I love I love the guests that you bring on, the different the wide variety and how you bring on some people to really shout them out and you just had Casey Bannerman on. That was a that was an excellent episode. I hadn't actually heard about him before cuz I'm not huge into Raptors Twitter mm-hmm. and like merch. I don't have money to buy new things. I'm a dad. <laughs> so I <laughs> Well, you got the hardest world, uh, the, the hardest job in the world, my friend, being a father. My my brother just had a, a little girl not too long ago, and it's changed him for the better, but it's a lot of work, and I'm just the fun uncle who gets to come over every now and then and, and bounce the baby on my lap, and when they get old enough, I'll, I'll buy her ice cream and leave her uh, on uh, his front porch, and just, <laughs> it, she's your problem now, bro. Um, but yeah, the, uh, going back to your original point there, the Dishes and Dimes podcast, those girls are amazing. It's nice to see more diversity and, and more representation in, in the sports media in general. And the fact that those girls got uh, credentials to go cover Raptors games in, per- in person uh, just goes to show that hard work pays off and people notice when the talent is there. I think that's the future of sports media in general. It's not 
people taking the conventional route of going to school and, and taking sports journalism and sports broadcasting. It's people using social media for the betterment and, and pushing their own brands and pushing their own names out there. And Dishes and Dimes is a, a prime example of that. I've had a majority of their hosts uh, as guests on my show. I think there's a few uh, left. I think Kelsey, I haven't talking to and Sidra I try to get on, but uh, she's very busy, but I hope to have them all on at some point. And again, the, the beautiful thing about podcasting when I started my own show is just talking to so many interesting people. I don't like hearing myself talk, which is kind of amazing because I've blabbered a lot on this show. I, I <laughs> Once I get going, it's like the boulder in Indiana Jones. It just keeps going and going until it crushes everyone in its path. Uh, but in general, I just love hearing people's stories and asking interesting and innovative questions. And Dishes and Dimes is a, a, a great example of a podcast, which is kind of taking over uh, podcasting for Toronto sports. Mm -hmm. And I wish those girls nothing but success. And I'm glad that I can kind of help people like you and, and others kind of take notice of them. Mm -hmm. you, you said it yourself, building your brand is what's important. So before I tell Sean to wrap this up so I can go watch this hotly contested Utah 39, Atlanta Hawks 40 at the <laughs> halftime game. Uh, Go ahead and tell everybody where to find you, how to, how to see your stuff. Do the whole plug spiel. I feel like I have this down now since I say it at the end of every podcast that I do. But yeah, follow me on Twitter and, and Instagram at Walder Sports. Uh, Walder with a D. Some people at my job, when I spell out my name, people think it's like, is that a T or it's a D? It's D as in dog. Walder Sports. Uh, check out my podcasts on Amazon, iTunes, Spotify. You know, if you can download a podcast there, uh, you can you can download the Walder Sports cast. And uh, yeah, I got I, I'm back in the swing of things. I took a little bit of a hiatus there because I got a new job where I do a lot of talking and. When you get home, the last thing you want to do is more talking. But you know what? I've, I've taken, so I've put so much effort into the show and I've, I've done so many things and I have sponsors now, which is great. It's, it's, I just want to kind of, you know, with basketball back into the swing of things, I want to continue to do the show. Uh, my next guest is going to be Raptors broadcaster, Jack Armstrong, uh, who I've had on the show in the past. And then he's a delight and he's a barrel of laughs and I can't wait to talk with him. I think I'm recording with him on Tuesday. And so be on the lookout for that. And, and, you know, subscribe to subscribe to this podcast, subscribe to my podcast, support podcasting in general. It's the future of the medium. And, you know, we, uh, uh, people like us, you know, people like me, people like Sean, people like Trey, a lot of hard work goes into these shows and show them as much love as you can when you can. That's All right, Sean, try and follow that. So <laughs> yeah, I know. Close the show. <laughs> well, I'm always great with my segues. So, you know, just like Chris just said, subscribe to the CSC YouTube channel. Follow Charity Stripe Commentary on Twitter and Instagram at Charity Stripe 23. Follow Trey on Twitter at Final Finally. He is a busy, busy man talking Hornets and all kinds of bets he's making. And, you know, I'm just all over the place. You are. You are. You're keeping busy. You're you're loving Charlotte life. Join the CSC Facebook group and page. Uh, if you like football, you can hear me on the Out of Bounds podcast. It's Out of Bounds with a Z. Join the Out of Bounds group and page and peace. <laughs> <laughs>